0: Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International, episode 212. What's next? Mark Cashman and Ben Kimber, thanks for coming in. Post World Cup, Cash Cow, what is next?
1: Well, Bronk on the way over, you remember I said last week I warmed <laughs> up with uh, a Sir David Attenborough um, oh, here we go. Na- nature video? Well, <laughs> mm. tonight, in the car, on the way over, smooth FM. Jeez, it was good. Smooth. The only, the only thing missing was love song dedications. I thought we were going to get another St. Helens plug then. that's oh, right,
0: that Unbelievable. <laughs> ben Kimber, how are you? Let's move straight on to that.
2: Very good, mate. Uh, move past the World Cup, starting to look ahead. Bit of news around on a couple of different fronts. Very keen to talk about what's
0: next. Yeah, there's lots happening. Of course, rugby resumes in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, Rugged Matrix isn't going to stop. In fact, uh, Rugged Matrix is just building up to be bigger and better than ever before so stand by for the big news next year so gentlemen uh the big news is what's next for england really and uh, who is going to coach england we've seen some uh names thrown around cash cow who's ruled themselves out of coaching england after as we said last week Stuart lancaster was still still in the job he's no longer in the job who's going to coach england shocked it's, it,
1: it's an interesting scenario boys isn't it and uh you know feel free to chip in when 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 uh when the moment arises but uh obviously michael checker ruled himself out uh jake white ruled himself out but uh jake obviously puts his hand up for just about every job that's uh, that's going that uh that earns money so uh and of course eddie uh he said at the uh the stormers induction interview that. Uh, that he wasn't interested. So uh, obviously there's a bit of machinations mm. going on behind the scenes. But uh, the question I want to ask is: Why are all these people stepping away from the position? Is is it the um, is
2: it a poison chalice to
0: uh, to coach England? Well, and was even Michael Checker a serious consideration, Ben?
2: I think you'd have to go on a bit of a goose hunt there, mate. Mm. There's absolutely no way. I mean, no. I don't know whether someone's kicked it around trying to get a bit of noise about the role and get different interests, but... Well, I certainly a, a not ...incumbent <laughs> Wallaby coach after 12 months who, who bleeds the the wallabies, uh, the wallabies colours, there is absolutely no way in the world, and he's come out and said that. So either someone's up to a bit of a mischief on the other side and said, wouldn't it be great, and it's turned into a story, or some journos just actually pulled the wrong rein and come across as a goose. Yeah. I,
1: I just get the feeling the journalist pulled the wrong rein because if, if you look at Michael's uh, coaching contracts, he does tend to actually honour them all the way through. So it would be a, uh, a change in behaviour him to, to actually uh, take up that position.
0: I would have liked to have seen Eddie take over the job. And I, I, I actually don't say that uh, he's out of the question yet because Eddie can... Pull a backflip, we know that, uh, given coaching uh, dramas in the past. However, I, I personally, I just like to see him take the challenge on. I think if anyone can do it, I think you need an outsider like Eddie who can come and shake the joint up uh, to do the job.
2: They definitely sound like they need the Eddie Jones stink eye in there somewhere, don't they? <laughs> I mean, having, having, uh, <laughs> having faced James, it, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Juro, that if, uh, if Eddie Jones has stood up at, at, in front of the Stormers and said, you know, I'm not interested, I'd, mm. I'd say let's have a little bit of a, a block of salt with that, not a grain of salt. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> the money has come for the Beaver Express. With the fa- he's, he's roared into favoritism with the, uh, with the bookies, and uh, there's usually a reason for that.
0: Well, what do England need? Well, they obviously need
1: someone to shake the joint up, don't they? They they, they need someone to come in from outside. They need to uh, refine their selection sort of processes because what uh, what is it? It's the uh, it's the biggest body of uh, rugby playing numbers in, in in the actual world, and they can't even get out of their pool at the most recent World Cup. So they really do need to shake the tree and uh, find out what's uh, what's about. Listen, there's there's tremendously talented sort of people there, but uh, obviously the Lancaster way of doing things. I I don't think uh, was ever going to work, really.
0: And a lot's happened since we spoke last. I mean, Sam Burgess came back to Australia and he's ready to play for South again in Rugby League next year. But, gee, there's been some uh, drama behind the scenes. Your your word about the kit guy, the kit man, uh, and the investments, uh, all sorts of drama about uh, unrest and people dumping on the team uh, didn't sound like a happy camp.
1: Certainly not a happy camp by by the sound of things. Uh, I think um, I think Sam was a little bit shocked about the uh, the venom that uh, that some of the former players uh, threw at him. So uh, not not a not a a really good uh, scenario for him to start his international career. And you know, let, let's be honest, he was uh, he was picked too soon and in the wrong position.
2: How many how many you know embarrassing losing squads are happy camps though? I mean, really. They got, they got to a point where they were not just beaten, but they went out in their home tournament in the pool stages. And it's, I don't think it's that surprising that it got a bit, it started to fall apart. The coach, everyone knew the coach was gonna get shot. And I think kudos to, uh, to Lancaster for the way that he, he bowed out. Um, England rugby were again stuffing around. Um, it was quite clear that they weren't gonna continue with him in the role. The review was going on and he pulled, pulled, he pulled himself out of the race and, and stepped away. And, and you know, I think that, that deserves some kudos. He definitely is a man who had a lot of um, integrity but couldn't get the right result from the players and things started to spin out of control.
0: Yeah, but if you look back at the results in the pool, they weren't trounced to get them dumped out of the World Cup, were they? They weren't. So, you know, different story for the Wales game, for example. I mean, it it was on a nice edge and... If England had beaten Wales in that situation, you know, we could be looking at a different World Cup. And what do you say about the the, the camp then?
2: But that's then. That's rugby, right? I mean, we, mm-hmm. everyone's talking about what an amazing all-blacks team they are because they oh, won. Oh, I
0: have seen camps that are not happy camps and still win. True,
2: true. But in this case, you know, you're dead right on the results. Mm-hmm. New Zealand in the semi, a couple of points away from being done by South Africa. Yeah. Very different story if that happens for them. Um, and that, But they managed to get through and, and move on with it. England... The bar was super high, super high for England at a home World Cup. They didn't clear it, and then out it comes.
0: So just dig- digging a little deeper, um, the Harmony went missing for England. They should have been building this team on home turf, the whole support of the nation behind them for some time. Did the Sam Burgess thing throw the spanner in the works?
1: I, I, I get the feeling that it actually did because... Uh, and the other thing that I, th- I think brought down England was uh, was. But he was so
0: t- it was so tempting. Like if you you see that athlete, you, you want to pick him.
1: Well, pick him in the right position. I always think that his uh, his coach at Bath, Mike Ford, mm. had the right idea. He he was making him in, into a uh, a number six who could range wide, a bit like uh, a bit like Kieran Rood from the All Blacks, and uh, I, I suppose a bit like uh, Michael Hooper in those outside channels, doing the odd pilfer doing some really good defensive work and also uh, also cutting the ball up. But uh, the problem with England is they don't really know what style of play that they, uh, they actually want to uh, put, put on the paddock. The Wallabies have decided the way they, they want to do it. The All Blacks have got two or three versions of the way they, they can play the game. That's, that's mm. why they're the best team in the world.
0: What did you think, Ben? I mean, um, I, I was actually disappointed and I know a lot of people sort of uh, said, well, well, what are you talking about that England bailed out before the end of or at the pool stage because I wanted to see them keep going because it just would have you know added an extra dimension to the playoffs but uh, what do you think about the, the, the health of the game if England sort of uh, peter along and, and, and don't perform again
2: oh, the, the England one of those teams that they've got an amazing depth and it, you know it really is a sad indictment on the way that team was managed that they mm. didn't make it through that said it was it was a very tough pool environment we're talking about. A very unusual pool of death with three teams who were in the top echelons of the game, um, and one had to go. Whichever one went was going to get a lot of uh, focus and a lot of, of noise around them. I think they'll come back. They've got they've got a lot of good players. I I'll just go to something you said before, Casho, and uh, and uh, you were talking about your fact. Think you need they need someone from outside. I don't know if they... looking at the way that Checker spoke um, when he uh, was when he clearly said, no way in the world would I take that job. But he, you know, it was very clear in the way he approached talking about it that he was reinforcing what he's trying to do with Australian rugby. He, mm. said, he said, they've got a lot of good coaches in England. This is a time for them to start to bring their own talent through and see what they've got. There's guys who could step up. Um, and what he's doing there is he's really reinforcing what he's built in Australian rugby with the culture he's built, saying everyone is part of this team, every coach, and he wants to make sure he works with the super coaches across the, across the board. Anyone who's on the bench is a finisher. Anyone who's in the squad is just as important as someone who starts the game. And culture is something that is hugely important. But where Czech has got it right is he's married that with smart rugby, picking, the, picking largely the right players, um, playing smart games. Lancaster, by all accounts, had a great approach to culture. But, and I think you touched on it there, Bronk. that particularly the choice of Burgess and the way he was managed showed that he didn't really have the, put, the right approach to putting a team together.
1: What, what what England do need to do though is, is to actually have an experienced international coach in there for at least the next two or three years. Nominate a guy who's going to come through and actually take over the job. Preferably someone from England. I, I I don't know who that is. You know, it might be Mike Ford from Bath. Uh, you know, who who knows? But actually put him through the ropes of actually uh, of, of of the international scene, bring him through. Get him uh tippy top and ready to go and then and then hand the keys to the uh to the car to him.
0: Do you think England have been searching for that Johnny Wilkinson type manner from heaven, you know?
2: The player that you really build a team around. Yeah. But yeah, they they didn't really have that standout player and you know, I think we spoke in in one of in our World Cup wrap up about, you know, um Dan Carter and, and, and Bernard Foley and the like. Uh, and one thing I think I wanted to say last week and didn't get to was that if you're going to have one world-class player or two as we've got, and I'd love to have it at number 10, um, as New Zealand did. Um, the Johnny Wilkinson type player that, who can control a game, kick the goals and really direct a team around the park, absolutely they need that. But so does every team that wants to be in the top two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think uh, the good thing is that international rugby in a way continues uh, this week with uh, the Barbarians in action and Kashkow... We're looking at the uh, team in front of us, and uh, what a what a mix of talented players from the fresh uh, scatter straight through to Victor Matfield playing, and uh, of course Michael Checker coaching the team.
1: It's an interesting mix, really, isn't it? You know, there's Stephen Moore there. There's uh, mm. um, uh, the, uh, the, the 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 Aussie number six. Please give me his name uh, very quickly, uh, Michael. Stephen, Stephen Hoyles? Hoyles. Stephen, uh, yeah, yes, Stephen Hoyles. Uh and the Brumbies back rower. Huh.
0: What are you talking about? i talking about Jared Butler. Jared Butler.
1: Oh yeah, number eight. No, 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 no. Anyway, let's let, let's let's uh, let's <laughs> Scott Fardy's on, oh, on the bench. Scott Fardy. Scott Fardy. best on Yeah, yeah. Scott Fardy. So he's not number
0: six today. <laughs> no,
1: but he but he'll. Yeah, he'll get there. He'll he'll yeah, play in that position.
0: Now we 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 know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So but proceed. Yeah. Anyway,
1: <laughs> it's 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 uh it's from uh from what I believe it's it's one of the great rugby experiences. You. Uh, you uh, you get you you get first class airfares to uh to sort of fly into, uh the the uh, the, the, the kit's uh, always good uh, good hotel rooms and uh, you know there's there's a nice little uh, sling at the end of it I believe around the ten
2: thousand quid mark. Hmm. Yeah. You've got to be looking forward to that Argy's game. That's um, why I think
0: Bob Dwyer loved coaching the. That's uh, Specialist barbarians Yeah. Right. Specialist <laughs> He's a specialist, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: but you've got to, the, the game against Gloucester. They, you know, look at that lineup: Milner Scudder, Joe Tamani. Uh, Namani Nna- 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 Nadolo. got a touch of the cashos yeah. there. Uh, you know, Pat <laughs> Lambie, um, big Victor Matfield, De Jager, um, Hoyles, gets a Guernsey. Um, I think it's going to be great. I think the Gloucester game would be really good to watch, but I, that
0: Argy's game is going to be great. Yeah, no, it's terrific stuff, isn't it? And, uh, it's good to see the Barbarian spirit still alive. And, you know, Checker having a go at it as well. I think the thing about Michael Checker, is you touched about it um, And this is a good lesson, I think, for any head coach, even in England, about getting, you know, it's a difficult situation with the clubs over there, obviously, but in Australia, getting the provinces on board and getting Stephen Larkham in, you know, Stephen uh, is quite a character. And uh, how can I place this and uh, put this cash gap? Stephen's not everyone's cup of tea. So Stephen is a genius, but he's the genius that forgets his boots before the game, that sort of stuff. And I know many times we've had to send the bag man back to the hotel to pick up his boots. But the way that he came into the fold and worked with Checker and Nathan Gray was just astounding.
2: Is he a similar, Brog, having been there alongside the Wallabies mm. teams that Larkin was a part of, you also referred to, I think, Pocock as saying, you know, he's a very different character. No one near like Larkin, but yeah. those blokes who are... A slightly apart from the team in the way they might be or the way they might conduct themselves. Is that a similar sort of situation? Yeah,
0: I think so. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. They, they've, Australia, brought together, together these different characters. And go back to the Super Rugby game where the Waratahs played against the Brumbies and everyone thought, oh, there's no way he could play with this team down the track. Well, guess what? That was all forgotten. Mm. And, and And Pocock, through his sheer... I, I, good blokiness, if I could put it that way. You're making up work, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> good blokiness. Um, was able to, able to push through it and who could deny it and you know, w- the fact that he's a great player is one thing, but you know, he's the Dave, Sir David Attenborough of the team, isn't he, Cash Cow?
1: Well a- actually uh Czech, <laughs> Czech is uh is coaching against a, a, another character of uh, of the game, Laurie Fisher at uh, Gloucester on uh, on during uh, during the midweek game, so uh, you know, like he he's he's one of the guys that actually set up a lot of the things that the Brumbies did so well in recent
0: times. Oh, he he's no doubt Australia's best forward coach. Uh, I don't know what you think, Ben.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it it was great to see him stay around in in, in, in coaching and in Australian rugby for a while there after he missed out on the mm. on the on the Brumbies head coach role, but very well respected by the players, and definitely always put a particularly a forward pack out there that would would perform.
0: And I think it was a bit disappointing that. We we saw him leave at a time in Australian rugby when we thought maybe he'd come in and be involved with you and McKenzie, uh, and then the whole thing sort of fell apart. and And uh, you know he'll be hooking up at the you know opposite side of the the field with with Checker this week, and I think you know maybe the door's now open for a lot of our coaches to come back. and Checker's such a <laughs> such a character, a knocker about sort of bloke that uh, it's really hard. Uh, not to like him if you're good at your field you know what I mean doesn't suffer fools yeah so if you're a coach I obviously respect someone like um, you know Laurie Fisher for example and and many other coaches in Australia like um, you know Les Kiss who's obviously making his way uh, in Ireland so well and I think it's that sort of character that uh, has attracted so much of a response out of the Australian players and the coaching staff there's no there's no question that Australia had to perform well I, th- I think it always starts at the top, the front office, and he show- he was able to shake up the ARU at the same time. Mm. You know, he banged on some doors there and said, I want this to happen. And through his sheer will and forceful nature, backed up by results, don't forget, because his, his performances for Leinster were just amazing, um, backed up by results. And, of course, Randwick, don't forget as well. He, he, he has that character... That sort of swept everyone along for the ride. And, and I think if you're good enough to do that, you're going to finish on top at some point.
1: One, one of the things uh, with Czech is uh, is he is respected uh, almost universally now. Uh, and I think he has uh, the All Blacks and Steve Hansen. I'm not saying on, on the back foot, but they are wary of no, they should be yeah, yeah, looking over their shoulder. They, they are actually looking over their shoulder and saying, what's he going to come up with next? You know, wh- whether it's. Whether it's a, a witty line in a um, in a press conference, or, or or whether it's a you know one, one of those great moves that uh, that involves that man Bernard Foley and uh, and Curtly uh, Beal, so uh, it's it's an interesting scenario. Looking forward to the Bledisloe Cup, and also this year coming up in Australia, uh, three tests against England. What a great uh, series that would be if the old Beavertrons in, in charge of England.
2: <laughs> Fun and games. Just on on, on checker there. Uh, it's probably, uh, we, we've talked about this briefly in previous podcasts, but probably really worth comparing him as that style of coach versus a Rod McQueen because, you know, it, the, the reason that he's been, uh, one of the reasons he's been so successful, one of the reasons he's not just having an impact on the field but off the field is because you can tell he absolutely lives and breathes it. When he's, when he's coaching that he team... He doesn't
0: need the job to make a living. No,
2: he, and he wants to be there because he absolutely gives a shit and he's on the sideline wishing he was out there booting some heads with them. Mm. And I think that passion transfers to the, the squad. They fe- He feels a part of that squad. He gets on the side of the scrum at training, for God's sake. Mm. Um, as opposed to that sort of... I think Ewan McKenzie was probably slightly more towards that Rod McQueen mould of wanting to be that I mean, what was the title he gave himself up in Queensland Head mm, grand ten, High of, Grand pubar or something yeah, you know yeah. but sitting back and just saying you know I'm going to pull some strings not I'm in there with you boys
0: yeah he wanted to do that do that early on at the Waratahs as well uh, and, and be the like a CEO of the football team yeah. um, and it doesn't I just don't think it works. You've got to be hands-on more as the head coach, and and that's what Checker does. And even Eddie Jones, um, you know, he loved getting in there and yelling, and yapping away on the field. So, oh, mate,
2: I'd love to see Eddie Jones back in the international oh, rugby arena that we. That I we mean, we would got a great follow.
0: taste for it, uh, of it, didn't we? At the World mate, Cup, mate, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just be on again. And all our Kiwi mates were bagging Eddie when he said he was going to take on South Africa and take on their scrum. And guess what? They did it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about um Super Rugby. And uh, your favourite team, the new Japanese team, uh, is it going to be ready, Cash Cow?
2: Well, have they got any players? Did you pass on my suggestion of a manga type the logo? S-
1: the Sun Wolves. The Sun Wolves is uh, is the actual name for the franchise. Um, they are in the the formative sort of stages. I think uh, I think what Eddie and the and the national team did for them at the World Cup was give them a bit of breathing space to uh, actually operate in because. Uh, questions were being asked at the Sansa level, at, at Will Rugby level, whether they were going to be ready. But uh, I think they'll get there. Uh, I, I could imagine their team coming together in the weeks leading up to the season start. So uh, uh, not too many of the, uh, the Japanese players who actually play in that Japanese top 10 league are actually being involved. But uh, they're working away hard. Um, I think they're uh, on the verge of actually... Uh, of actually appointing a CEO, which is uh, which, which is a good start, and uh, we'll see where things go from
2: there. Is Peter Hewitt involved at all? He's over Japan, isn't he? No, oh, he's probably got some. He'd have to have a have to have <laughs> good a, a finger, boy. in there somewhere. Yeah. Good, good Inverell boy. He'd have he's, to be uh, involved. He, he's involved. It's only a reward if you're with, not <laughs> in it. With, with <laughs> Suntory, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about the, the the size of the competition. You know, I I I really want to see, see how this is going to play out, but <clears> Super 12, 13, 14, 15... I'm just worried it might get a little bit too much and it might start to spin a bit. You start to lose that great competition week in and week out and you might get some people who are getting toweled up every week.
1: What, what they've got to get out there early on is because there's three or four, I don't, I don't know, five franchises or, or, or conferences. So what they've got to get out there is how the thing freaking well works. Uh, mm. It's hard enough uh, having three conferences in, uh, in, in, in the three Sanzar nations. What's going to go on with, uh, with Japan and Ar- Argentina? Uh, conversely, Argentina, I I think they're going to be ready to go. I I, I think they'll win and they'll win often uh, and and contend for a for a finals berth. Are they going to they're going to rack up more travel than anyone else? Is that going to be pretty clear? Oh yeah, I think so. But uh, a lot of these guys have been on the road. They're uh, they they've actually been playing for the. Uh, the uh, the Argentine second team, their development team, which has been playing in, uh, in in some competitions in South Africa. So they're used to being based overseas. And uh, I think as we saw some of those guys coming through at the World Cup, they're good players mm-hmm. and they've, they've got a good uh, style of football to work with.
0: Uh, different markets uh, look at it differently. But the thing, and Ben, you'd be aware of this, is that in the Australian market, the frustrating thing is that you'd get all these... Uh, amalgamations of provinces and they don't really represent the, you know the city you know like we, we want to know we're playing against Wellington you yeah. know we do want to play against Auckland we want to play against Tokyo so there's some identity and I think for the Australian market it's it's been hard over the years to build a rivalry, and you know wh- that you'd have in the local competition. If you had, say, a ten-team competition, I, I want a ten-team competition that plays each other twice. That you build these uh, idea, you know who you're playing against. You know the players. Yeah. So you buy in. You're not just watching the Waratahs play this random team. You know what yeah. I
2: mean? Uh, and, and yeah, I, de- I definitely agree. You want to, you want to feel like you're not playing a franchise. Mm. You're playing a city, and you want to see those rivalries. you see in all, all sports and. And the Waratahs did this. They took a couple of their big games, Crusaders, etc., out to Stadium Australia because they knew that there were certain games that had that rivalry it had that expectation as well as the fan bases. And I think the more that you can build those those franchises up around cities and that get some history behind them, the better you're going to go. So, this is going to be a little bit of a struggle for a few years, I would think.
1: We have we have touched on this earlier about the uh, the importance of the Pacific Island nations to to world rugby. And uh, listen, hats off to the Chiefs. They're going to actually take a competition game to uh, Fiji next year, which is uh, which, which is uh, great news. I think, the, I think it's a game against Crusaders. They put that down on
0: taxes a recruitment drive, do they? I think they <laughs> must. Here for the All Blacks. <laughs> Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, but but did you answer my question? Are they going to have a team?
1: As 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 I said to uh, Dirk here, they will have a team and it will come together in the weeks and days leading up to the first round.
0: <laughs> oh, good luck! If it's you're what doing. he's saying is they'll luck. run out on the field. <laughs> yeah. I think is what he's saying. It's That's exactly, all you're committing to, isn't it, Kashia? Exactly. Kasia? So, exactly. Exactly. you're to make a comeback That's for the right. side. Uh, good luck in doing the media guide, then. <laughs> Should be fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, lucky it's mostly digital these days, so yeah. you, can, you can download it as they run onto the field. There's <laughs> <It's> number one <laughs> through to fifteen. Um, so some other important stuff happened from an Australian point of view. The uh, Australian Sevens team has qualified for Rio.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Cameron Clark, uh, numerous other other guys there. Jesse Paraha, Michael but, Wells. Cameron Clark,
0: the really talented son of Greg Clark, and Greg could only uh-huh. hope to have half his talent.
1: That's right. Uh, he's he's been a mainstay there since he uh, mm. since he left school. So. Good luck to all those guys. Uh, several other the guys are uh, are actually uh, moving on. As I mentioned, Jesse Paraha and Michael Wells have picked up uh, Super Rugby gigs uh, around the place, which is uh, which is always uh, sort of good to hear. But uh, listen, they beat they 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 beat Tonga in the um, in the final qualifying game to uh, get through 50 nil. So. Uh, they they're, they're, they're uh, they'll they'll metal contend along with the women what one of the things they've got to work out is uh who's actually going to um coach the team because tim walsh the women's coach uh actually took care of them leading up to this sort of tournament so there's some decisions to be made about uh a, a, about whether they uh whether they appoint a new coach or whether uh Walshy uh sort of takes over because mm. Garrett and John had to go
0: home uh, for personal reasons
1: family reasons yeah
0: yeah um he's a pretty good coach Walshie. he's done yeah. a great job with the women's team and uh, of course uh the uh, team well led by Ed Jenkins who's got the squarest jaw and physique in world rugby you, have, you can't just dis- you cannot right. disagree with that <laughs>
2: Can you? What do you think about running into into the uh, Olympics, and the the superstars coming in? I mean, how much how much do we expect that to have an impact? How many guys do you think are going to put their hands up to genuinely play? And if you're New Zealand, who's got a team which has kept together for mm. some time and has a lot of rhythm and a lot of expertise of being number one at sevens in the world, how much do you disrupt that by trying to bring in a couple of these other blokes?
1: It's it's a totally different game. If if you're going to do that, I think you've got to have these guys for the entire twenty sixteen. There's got to be several leading tournaments. Uh, it's a different sort of fitness level, different sort of fitness. Uh, you you're probably carrying not carrying as much bulk uh, around the place as you would in the fifteen. So uh, yeah, listen, you know, on on the face of it, having having. Superstars like uh, Commonwealth Games, I think, was Lottie Takiri, uh played in the Commonwealth mm-hmm. Games sevens in uh, in 2006. Great idea, but uh, is was Lottie ready for sevens? Probably was. Uh, will Sonny Bill be ready for uh, for sevens? You know, who, who knows? Who's but, putting a uh,
2: hand up for the, for the Wallabies for Australia. So got Quay Cooper clearly. He's trying to keep his options open there to, to get to the Olympics. Is he? hours been mentioned i don't know how serious that is bernard foley i think might have even talked about it yeah
1: the yeah, bernard came from that sevens background before yeah. he uh, got a uh, super rugby gig so yeah. Uh, yeah it's um obviously one of those case by mm. case basis about, uh, about 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 whether they stick around you have to handle it carefully yeah
0: absolutely uh yeah absolutely because the, the sevens guys have been there you know sweating blood for the team for a long time Two quick things. We've got about three and a half minutes to go, and I uh, want to deal with two things. Matt Tamua and, and of course, uh, the the issue out of the World Cup, which was Israel Folau and was he fit enough. Firstly, Matt Tamua leaving Australian rugby uh, to play with uh, Leicester. You guys surprised?
2: Oh, at first, I was really shocked, and yeah. then I remembered that he's got uh, his girlfriend yeah. slash fiancée, uh, Elise Perry, who, who plays uh, both uh, soccer and cricket, I think for Australia. Yes. And I, I thought that you know there had to be some connection there. There had to be some way that they both thought we'll go and give it a crack because he was never gonna be leaving her behind. I think it's a massive move, um, for him in Wallaby's terms. Matt Guido, you know, clearly came back in there in the twelve, but Tamur I think has a lot a lot to offer and could have done a great job in the starting lineup.
0: Yep. Yeah, as you know, I picked him at my twelve all the way through the World Cup, so uh, that's that's the situation for Australia. But uh, Australia Australia's gonna miss him, but you know, he has to do what he has to do for family and uh, you know, good on him. He's a f- terrific fellow too. In, in
1: in terms of his development, yep. he'll be working with Aaron Major, who's yep. the uh, one of the coaches there at Leicester. Yep. I I think uh, I think he'll learn oh, all a lot. Rates, yeah, yeah yep. I
2: think he'll learn a lot from, from that situation. And well, I don't know why more guys don't do it to be honest, you know. Prime of your life, big bucks, go and play overseas in a different country for a while. I'd just like to see him back when these works go.
0: Yeah, yeah, don't shut the door. In fact, we know the selection policy now. You know, there's you know capability of picking guys. Um, two minutes to go. Israel Folau. Uh, we uh, were disappointed in his World Cup, and we absolutely know why he was playing with a shocking ankle. Um, so you weren't surprised, Kasher?
1: No, no, no. Certainly not. Uh, did it in the um, in the first England game,
0: I believe. So uh, so should he have been picked after that?
1: Well, I I think he was. Uh, they attempted to manage him through through that situation. Uh, Ankles
0: mistake. I'm going to say it was a mistake.
1: Ankles are one of the trickiest uh, injuries, and you'd know this from bronk from uh, from being being close to a team. Sometimes they take five minutes to get right. Other times they take uh, two seasons to get right. This is obviously something that uh, probably needed surgery straight away. But uh, he wasn't doing any further damage, so uh, why why not see
2: how he went? Uh, Jerome, I'm with you. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing for us, of course, but you read it now and you say mistake. Uh, This Wallabies team leading up to the World Cup relied a lot on Izzy Folau's game-breaking ability, the ability to get across the line, bring the ball back, get them on the front foot. They did so well to get through without him firing, but when they come up against the All Blacks, geez would have liked a bit more of that from the back and they didn't really have any other option there they didn't have another setup up with maybe Kirtley Bill getting a bit more time so yeah it looked like a mistake
0: Yeah it certainly explained uh, why he didn't have a great World Cup but when fully fit Hey, is there anyone better? I
2: mean, is that an example of you know, uh, coaches just getting that little check, particularly that lean towards loyalty that he has mm. over over maybe a bit more of the reality of the situation?
0: Well, he did have a good option. You know, Curtly Curtly Beal off the bench uh, had uh, probably uh, did everything that was asked of him. So. Mm. Uh, interesting decision, but I think we all agree it was a mistake to um, play him all the way through the World Cup at, with him at, injury. at the
1: end of the day. And Curdley was superb when he did start, wasn't a- he?
0: Absolutely. All right, so uh, Mark Cashman, thanks for coming in, mate. Good to Not see a you worry, again. Bronc. And we'll be going through the rest of the year. Ben Kimber, great to see you again, too, mate. Absolutely, mate. Always a pleasure. There is Ben Kimber and Mark Cashman joining us for episode 212 of Rugged Matrix International. We'll see you again next week.